Spirit, I want to release you to go and write some things for the Lord. Amen? I want you to begin to release you to be able to release that poetic gift inside of you and begin to use it for God's glory. Because God wants to bring the arts and entertainment industry back to Him. Amen? Come on, can I get an amen? You know, the Bible says, whatever we do in word and deed, do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants the arts and entertainment to him. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, we ask you to release that gifting for those that you have that can flow poetically, Lord God. We can look at Psalms and see how you flowed poetically, Lord God. God, release their gifts for, for them to glorify you through all the gifts that you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you know that I want to talk a little bit about today about Jehovah Jireh? Say that, Jehovah Jireh. Now, does, do, do, do many of you know what that means? Few of you? It means my provider or the Lord that provides for me. But I want to talk about Jehovah Jireh. That is, that's a Hebrew word for my provider. So I need some help today. Can you help me? Turn to your neighbor and say, let's help him. Come on, I need some help today. So if I say Jehovah Jireh, I want you to say my provider. Let's try it. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. So if I say Jehovah Jireh, you say. Oh, come on, somebody. God is your provider. In the midst of some difficult things in which our nation, even the world itself, may be going through, I want you to know that God is Jehovah Jireh. Okay, (laughs) y'all missed it a little bit there. (laughs) Y'all got to thinking about how bad things were, and you forgot to listen, amen? So no matter how difficult things are in this world, God is Jehovah Jireh. Oh yeah, you got it now, okay. So he he is my provider. And where does this come from? Where do we see this? And let me define this word for you. Let me just take a minute and define this word for you. In the Hebrew, there is, there, there is the word Jehovah Jireh. And it literally means a self-existent. There you go. Bobby got it. He was like, my provider. <laughs> there is a word in the Hebrew called Jehovah Jireh. And it literally means self-existent or eternal. It means the Jewish national name of God. See, Jehovah is a name of the one true God. Let me say that again. Jehovah is the name of the one true God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, listen to this. When somebody in a different religion talks about God, they are not talking about Jehovah God. Jehovah is one true God. God. There's a difference between other religions and Christianity. Christianity, when we talk about God, the Father, we're talking about Jehovah. We're talking about Jehovah, the one true God. So he is the proper name of the one true God. Say one true God. So when you begin to hear about other religions and somebody says, well, we're all trying to get a path to God. No, Allah is not Jehovah. Oh, you got to hear me today. Allah is not Jehovah. Allah comes under Jehovah. Uh, Jehovah is over Allah because he is the one true God. Can I get an amen? So, Jehovah Jireh. (laughs) You guys are getting it. We're going to get you. We're going to get it. So, it's the one true God. 
So Jehovah also means this. It also can mean Adonai. Everybody, anybody heard the song? We sang a song about Adonai. Adonai literally means Lord or my Lord. Say Lord or my Lord. So if we hear Adonai, that, that is Jehovah. That is Lord or my Lord. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. I want us to begin to look at Genesis chapter 22 because when we look at this, I want us to realize where this came from and there's a theme throughout the, the entire Bible about Jehovah and Jehovah Jireh. I'm glad you guys are looking there. I'll I'll try not to do that. I'll try not to mess you up. There is a Hebrew principle, which I taught about the other day, that literally talks about when you name something, you you take ownership. Okay? Anybody ever have any pets? Anybody have a pet that you just call dog? No, don't you get it? Don't you get a pet in and you go, what's he look like, honey? He's so cute and furry and fuzzy. You know what? I think we'll call him fuzzy. I guess that was fuzzy wuzzy was a bear, right? Fuzzy wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy wuzzy wasn't fuzzy wuzzy. So you get a, a pet, an animal, and what do you do? You automatically look at it and you say, you know what? I'm going to name that thing. We even had a friend of ours that our pool cleaner named our pool cleaner. Paul is an awesome worker, man. Paul can work day and night. He, that Paul can, Paul the Polaris, he's the pool cleaner, pool cleaner, Paul Polaris. He, he, is, he is a hard worker. He works all the time. I mean, we can put him into that pool, and man, he will go and go and go and go. He, he is, he, the Energizer Bunny has nothing on Paul. So we've named Paul. We talk about Paul. In fact, I've got a sister, that an older sister. I have three, but my oldest sister's not married. And she called me one time, and she said, we were talking, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm out back here with Paul. She said, who's Paul? I said, he's our pool cleaner. And she says, really? I said, yeah, he works really hard. He does a really great job. When you come into Oklahoma, maybe I'll introduce you to him. And she said, oh, Eric, don't be hooking me up with somebody else, you know. So I let her on and let on and let on about Paul. I didn't tell her that it wasn't a man. Are you with me? So every time I talk, I'm like, you know, Paul's out there working again. I'll tell you what, he is one good worker. Bonnie, you're going to have to meet Paul. Don't, Eric, stop that, stop that. So it was funny because she was able to come and she was able to visit. And I I said, you know what, Paul's out back. She was embarrassed. I mean, she was turning different shades of red. And I said, let's go out and meet Paul. And she she was like, okay. We went out to meet Paul. (laughs) And there was Paul in the pool. And so we have named our pool cleaner and we have ownership over that. So there are things maybe in your life, you're probably going to be naming your dresser and naming your bed and naming your kitchen tables and chair and you're going to be naming all these different things. But that's that Hebrew concept that when you put a name to it, you have ownership over it. You know, that's why you name your dog. That's why you name your cat. That's why you name your birdie, Tweety, or, or, or Flyboy, or whatever it might be that you might name your bird. So I want us to look at this Hebrew principle in Genesis twenty-two fourteen. And Genesis twenty-two fourteen says this. He's got you. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day... In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Let me give you what preceded what was taking place. 
Abraham came and he said, he named that place and built an altar there to the Lord. And he said, it's Jehovah Jireh. It's Jehovah Jireh. My provider, the Lord that provides for me. See, God had, Abraham was obedient to God. And God was speaking to Abraham and he told him to take and make a sacrifice unto the Lord. Now, he said, I'll provide for you the sacrifice. And he loaded up his son, Isaac. Say, Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's son. And he said, Isaac, why don't you get the the wood? Why don't you get the stuff for the altar? And let's begin to go to Mount Moriah. And let's begin to build an altar there. We're going to go to a place that God is going to show us. So he's got his son Isaac and they're walking along and they've got the wood and they've got the the fire. They got everything ready for what they need for this sacrifice. And Isaac is like, like, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? And it gets real serious here because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, they begin to move along. And Abraham is basically saying, you know what, God's going to provide. And he builds the altar and I have no idea how this could happen. But he builds this altar, and he binds his son, he ties him up, and he puts him on the altar. And I'm, I'm thinking, I couldn't do that. There are times I want to to my kids, but I'm not going to do that. Amen? So I, and he put him on the altar. And at that time, he was believing God. <laughs> if he was believing God, that if he was to sacrifice his son on that altar, that God would either raise him from the dead or provide a sacrifice. And all of a sudden, Abraham lifted up the knife to cut open the sacrifice, and God provided a ram in the bush. Now, I don't know if that ram, that ram was there most of the time and was there trying to struggle and trying to get set free, and he didn't see it. He, he may not have noticed that it was there, but all of a sudden, he was able to see a ram in the bush, and that's when Abraham began to say, Hey, God is my provider. So in the midst of your situations, in the midst of the circumstances that we may be up against, that you may be up against individually, I want you to know that God is your provider. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, He's my provider. He is my provider. He's going to provide for us in all of these areas. I began to start looking through the Word of God and, and I started at the very beginning. And I thought, let's start in Genesis. And we looked at Abraham. And we see really the only place where he talked about Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> I'm helping you all out. I'll try to, try to help you out. Jehovah Jireh. There you go. So we see where God provided for Abraham. But he isn't the only one that he provided for. God provided for Isaac. Remember we talked about it in Genesis 26. That in a, that a time of famine, Isaac began to sow. And he reaped a hundredfold in that same year. He didn't stop. God provided for him. God provided for Jacob. Jacob got sideways with his father. 
And, and, and he began to work for his wife, Rebecca, and, and he got sideways with him, and God began to provide for him. He separated from his father, and yet he had a way, a, a witty a way to be able to bring cattle to breed. Come on, somebody. And sheep and goats to breed, and, and God provided for him because they continued to grow and breed. And he didn't take the choicest ones. He took the ones that his father wanted to get rid of, and God provided for him. Rachel was barren, but God remembered her and he, and he opened her womb. He took away her reproach because at a time where if you weren't able to bear children, there was a reproach upon the people. And, and they, she was able to begin to bear a son. And the son that she bore was Joseph. How many of you know that God provided for Joseph? God provided for him time and time again. God provided for him. He was thrown into the cistern, and he was, then he was pulled back out and sold. He was sold into slavery, but yet there was Jehovah Jireh. God provided for Joseph. He began to provide for him in every step of the way, even though he was in bondage. Oh, he was in slavery. And then he began to rise up in power, and then he was thrown in jail. But yet Jehovah Jireh. God was providing the whole time. God was working things out. And I want you to know that God's working some stuff out. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's working it out. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God's working it out. God's working it out. He's working it out for you. He is your provider. He provided for Joseph. What about Moses? Did he provide for Moses? In fact, at the very beginning in Exodus, he provided for Moses. Moses with a little baby, put into a basket, put into the water. And how many of you know, God was already Moses' provider. He was already providing because God provides for his people and God's going to provide for you. How about the Israelites? I began to think about the Israelites. And, and man, you know, they, they were out wandering around and, and they didn't have much to eat. And God provided manna. Yeah. Say, God is my provider. They provided manna every day. Well, if you look at it, it really wasn't every day. It was every day. And then on Fridays, they would provide enough for two days. So they would have enough to cover the Sabbath and they wouldn't have, but you couldn't keep it. It was, it was new mercies every morning. Do you know the Bible says that there's new mercies every morning? Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, uh, there are times where hand-me-downs are awesome. I lived off hand-me-downs. It was a wonderful thing. My family operated on hand-me-downs. I always got hand-me-downs. I got stuff passed down. And a lot of times the stuff I got passed down was, it was good stuff sometimes for my brother. And it was good stuff, you know. But there were some times where they needed them little iron-on patches in the knees. (laughs) Probably won't happen with your kids nowadays because when they're out there playing on the playground, playground, they jump off and they're on this rubber stuff. But not in our generation. We were on asphalt. (laughs) <laughs> or dirt. We had dirt, right? And, and you, you'd be able to play, and your jeans would get ripped, and you know, you'd rip a hole in them, and you know, it wasn't, you, know, you didn't have to turn around and sell it to your neighbor for $120. God is my provider. Say that. He provided for the Israelites. And then I began to start thinking about Leviticus chapter 6 the Levitical food laws. And I thought, you know what? God made a way to provide for the priest because he was their provider. Joshua was beginning to succeed Moses in Numbers chapter 27. 
and the congregation was going to be without a shepherd. And God provided for that congregation by bringing forth Joshua, and God was providing for the Israelites at that time. Jehovah Jireh. God continued to provide. Israel was 40 years wandering in the, in the desert. Wandering in the desert. You know what the Bible said? Their clothes didn't even wear out. In fact, the Bible also tells us as they were wandering in the desert, in Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 7, that they did not lack a thing because of Jehovah Jireh. God provided for them. He provided for them over and over and over and over again. How about the two spies in Jericho when you, when you look at, at what happened in Joshua chapter 2? The two spies went in and they were beginning to look. And Rahab, the prostitute, hid them. Because God was taking care of things from what he set in place. The things that he set in motion on Mount Moriah. The things that he set in motion of becoming Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God was setting it in place and it was in place then and it's in place today. Can I get an amen? Amen. So the spies went in, and they were saved, and Rahab saved. And what happened? Did God provide for Rahab? Yeah, they, they told her. They said, look, we're going to come and destroy this place. And if you'll hang this little you know, red you know, rope outside your door, we come in. We won't destroy you, but you better get your people in the house because it is not going to be a pretty sight because God is making a way for Rahab, and he's making a way for you today. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got a way. God has got a way. God has got a way. He is our provider. I began to start looking at, in the book of Judges, did you know that uh, Othiniel, which was Caleb's younger brother, remember Caleb, who with Joshua and Caleb, they went in to the, to the promised land and they scouted that out? Well, he defeated the king of Mesopotamia. He defeated them, and the Bible says when he defeated them, that there was peace for 40 years. Peace for 40 years. That was Caleb's younger brother. You don't think God is a generational God and will take care of your kinfolk? He took care of Caleb. He took care of Caleb's brother. God will take care of you. God took care of Joseph. He took care of the entire family. He took care of Jacob, who became Israel, and the 12 tribes of those Israel Israelites. And God is a provider, and he'll take care of you. Say, God will, God will. take care of me. Turn to your neighbor and say that. God will take care of me. Tell him, God will take care of me. God's going to take care of me. What about in Judges? We can get into, into Judges and get a lot of stuff. He took care of Deborah. He took care of Samson. I mean, Samson didn't have no sight, and God gave him supernatural strength. The man whooped the Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. A donkey. Jawbone of a donkey. Because God is a provider. He provided back then, and he'll provide today. So Gideon destroyed the altar of Baal. He had to slip out with his posse later at, at night and they destroyed the altar of Baal. And then they went up against the Midianites <laughs> with 300 men. 300 men. They started out with 32,000 and then they cut down to 10,000 and then God cut from 10,000 down to 300. That must have been some bad dudes. 
They were some bad dudes. They were some bad dudes to whip up on the Midianites with 300 men. They were, so, they, they, they were something else. They must have been some trained, anointed, whoa, you know, warriors of God. They must have went after it and went after it and went after it. I mean, I just, I have no idea other than the angels of the Lord jumped in there with them. Amen. I mean, here's one of them just fighting away and looking over and go, who, who are you? And the angel of the Lord going, <laughs> you know, just taking care of business. Because God is a provider. He provided for Gideon. How about Ruth? Ruth's husband died. And there was a famine at the land at the same time. And, and in the book of Ruth, it talks about Naomi. And God connected her to Naomi. And Naomi said, look, things are difficult. And girls, I, I don't have another son for you to marry according to the customs of that day. So she released her daughters-in-laws to go back. And, and, and Ruth's other daughter-in-law went back to her family. I mean, uh, excuse me, Naomi's daughter-in-law went back to her family. And Naomi came to Ruth and she said, why don't you go back to your family? And Ruth says, no, I'm staying with you. And God made a way. Say, God made a way. They came into the land and there was a man by the name of Boaz and he was a kinsman redeemer. And Ruth would go to his crops when they were harvesting and they would, they would, not, they would leave the corners of the crops for others to glean, for the poor people to glean off of those crops. And God began to provide for Ruth and it was in the name of Boaz and she began to move right in and not only did God overcome the issues of the death and the loss of her husband, the issues of famine, but God connected her to Boaz and he was the kinsman redeemer. He brought her back Back in right relationship with the family. Back in right relationship with her God. Back in right relationship. And the reproach from, from Ruth was lifted because of Boaz. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. Amen. So, you know, I don't know if you've, you've had a husband and, 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 he, and he's passed away or you've been through a divorce situation or, or some issues have gone on in your life, but I'm telling you, God is your provider. And his name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jehovah Jireh. My provider. He is my provider. He'll provide for me. And then I began to look through Ruth and I began to get to 1 Samuel and I realized that God provided a child for Hannah. Do you remember Hannah? She was the one that was at the altar and she was a praying in tongues and, 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 the, and the priest went up and thought that she was uh, you know, drunk and was babbling and she was crying out to God because she was feeling that void within her life and according to society she had a reproach on her life because she wasn't able to bear a son and she, and, and she cried out to God and God gave her a son and, and she came in and brought the son to Eli please don't bring your children in for Shelly and I to raise but it's in the Bible. <laughs> but that was Samuel. And God had a design to be able to save that nation of Israel. And, and to, for Samuel to rise up and be the king of that nation. God is a provider. And in Samuel, time and time again, David was running from Saul. Over and over again. There's a spear. I think it's time to go. There's another spear. I think they're getting closer. <laughs> David hid in caves. He slept. I bet, I bet there was some crops where he laid down on the ground and you couldn't see him if you looked across the crop. You know, because it was like yay high. And there was David in there sleeping and his men in there sleeping because Saul was hunting him down. 
You may be running from the enemy, and I'm telling you, God will provide for you in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of being in a cave, in the midst of having people come against you. God is your provider. Amen? He is, I think his name is Jehovah Jireh. I believe they call him Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He provides for me in the midst of difficult circumstances. Solomon, he asked God for a discerning heart to discern between good and evil. And because he did not ask for long life, because he did not ask for riches for himself, because he did not ask for the life of his enemy. Listen to me. He didn't ask for long life. He didn't say, God, just let me live a little bit longer. You know, give me a whole much more time. And, you know, I just, I just want, to, I want to live longer. He didn't go and say, God, why don't you wipe my enemies out for me? He didn't ask for the life of his enemy. There were others that did. They said, God, what am I going to do against these Philistines? God, what am I going to do against these Amalekites? God, take my enemy out. Are you with me? He was asking for the life of their enemy. He didn't ask for that. And you know what else he didn't ask for? He didn't ask for riches. God, God, give me riches, baby. Let me just be the rich man. When I walk in, there's the rich man. He's the rich man. That's wonderful if you've got wealth and you're using it for the kingdom of God. But Solomon didn't come to him and ask God for those things. He said, God, I need literally wisdom. I need discernment so I can know what's good and what's bad. Oh, come on. The church today needs some discernment to know what's good and what's bad. The church today has got to rise up and say, this is of God and this is not of God. We need to be like Solomon and ask for that. Anybody want to ask for discernment today? If you do, just stand up. If you want to stand up, you might have discernment in the midst of some difficult situations, in the midst of some difficult times. I believe we have not because we ask not. That's what my Bible says. Say this with me. Say, Lord God, I need discernment. Discernment between good and evil. Between light and dark. I need wisdom. How to raise my children. How to handle my finances. How to be the man or woman of God you called me to be. And I receive that now in your word. Work with me. Help me, God. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Is that it? Is that it? You can be seated now. You know, am I going to receive discernment? I believe as you search out the scriptures, God's going to begin to open your ears. Your ears are open. Your heart is open. Your mind is open. You're going to begin to start seeing some things, and you're going to say, Woo, that, that, that just don't sit right with me. Although it may not sit right with you, it could be a virus trying to attach itself to your body. So look in the Word of God and see if it sits right with God. Oh, come on. You hear me? See, a lot of times we say, well, you know, I just go by this. This can mislead me. This cannot. Oh, yeah. I don't, know if they, I don't know if they heard me. I said, this can mislead you, but this cannot. It's about the Word. It's about Word. So we begin to look and see how God continued to provide. And in Samuel, he, he says, you know what? God, I just want discernment of good and evil. 
And God, God saw his heart and he gave him wisdom. He gave him a discerning heart. And you know what else he gave him? He gave him riches and honor. And he also told him this. He said, if you will keep my commandments, you'll live longer. Yeah, we preach about, who I got the riches, who I got the honor. But God says, if you'll keep my commandments, you'll even live a little bit longer. I don't know about you, but I want to live long on the earth. Come on. There's some things that I want to be able to do. There's some things I want to be able to see. My, my grandfather died at an early age, and my father died at an early age, and I broke that thing off because I'm going to live to be over 100 years old. Can I get an amen? amen? Because there's some things I want to see. There's some things I want to see transformed. There's some things that God has given me to do in my heart, and I'm not going to stop until I get it done. Come on, somebody. I don't want to miss out on just a little bit. So God provided for Solomon. He'll provide for you. God provided for Elijah. You know that? Turn with me to, to 1 Kings chapter 19. And let's just, just, just read in the word of God. Because it was a difficult time in, in Elijah's life. Elijah had just, just killed the prophets of Baal. I mean, he, he did the Ronco slice and dice thing. I mean, he just was supernatural. God gave him some supernatural stuff to be able to slay the prophets of Baal. What, 400 or 450 prophets of Baal? I mean, he, he did it single-handedly. Think about that. The devil comes at you one time and he whips you up. And this guy took 450 of them and whooped them. Come on. We have a little difficulty in our life and we're all ready to give up. And Elijah had to whip 450 of them by himself. <laughs> that was one, he was one tough guy. He had some supernatural stuff going on. You know why? Because he knew who his God was. And he knew that God was his provider. I bet if you were to ask Elijah, maybe we'll get a chance to sometime. We'll get a chance to ask Elijah. And we'll say, who's your provider? And guess what he's going to say? Jehovah Jireh. I believe you're getting it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're getting it. Tell them they're doing a great job. Tell them they're doing a great job. First Kings chapter 19. Everybody there say, I'm there. If you're not or you didn't bring your Bible, look on to somebody else with somebody else. If somebody else is there... Y'all share the word, share the word, let them see it with you, because I'm not going to put it up on the screen. (laughs) Well, unless Tim decides to overrule me, and he could do that and put it up on the screen. I guess I need to get to 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's Let's just read through it. Ready? Read. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, you killed them, I'm going to kill you. That's what she was, she was sending word back to Elijah. Anybody had a death threat against them? Seriously? Anybody over here? Somebody, yeah, okay. I mean, if somebody was serious, I mean, they just wouldn't say, I'm going to kill him. They was like, you're going down this town tomorrow, Jack. And I got the boys and the machine guns. I got everything else ready to roll. They show up in your neighborhood at your house. That's a death threat. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pulled up to a stoplight. Looked over and a guy put a gun in my face. Just like that. I ran the red light. 
They didn't threaten me. That was enough threat. True story. You talk about shaking. I shook for a long time after that. I was driving my 69 Mustang. He couldn't catch me. You know why? Because God is my provider. Go ahead. So we see, he see him running from Jezebel and, and, and she's threatened him and says, you know what? I, by this time, I'm going to do the same thing to you by this time tomorrow. Go ahead. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Hold on just right there. We have been in situations in our lives where we've probably sat down, listen, and we've said, God, it's just too hard. Okay, am I just talking to myself here today? God, is too hard. I, I don't even want to go on tomorrow. Lay down in bed at night and say, God, just take me. Just take me because I don't want to face what tomorrow is going to bring. God, I don't want to deal with the issues of my life. God, I don't want to deal with some of the decisions that I've made. So God, just take me. Elijah was afraid. He ran from Jezebel. And he got to that point where all of us have probably been to that point and said, God, I don't know if it's worth it. God, I don't know about this. We, many of us have stepped and connected to God and we've connected to God in a way that God is saying, hey, I'm not going back. And you're saying, I think I'm going back. I think that looks a whole lot better than this does. It's better to go back with my drinking buddies and my drugging buddies and my partying buddies and all that other stuff. It's better just to go back into that life. It's a whole lot easier. I can drown my sorrows in that life. And Elijah's drowning his sorrows before the Lord. But I want you to remind you today that the Lord God of Israel, the Lord God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob is Jehovah Jireh. And he was a provider of, of Elijah, and he's a provider of you. So let's check this out as, as he begins to walk in this, and he sits down under this juniper tree. Look at how God takes care of him. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Did y'all just hear that? Did you read that? Oh, I don't know if you did. What he said is he fed him. And when he fed him, he didn't eat again for 40 more days. I got some supernatural. I want some of that supernatural stuff. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when we can fast, buddy, we get some. Let the angel of the Lord bring me some stuff the day before I go into fasting for my 40 days, and it'll be some supernatural stuff. God provided for him supernaturally. He didn't come down and tell him what a terrible job he's done and what a wimp by running from Jezebel. He didn't condemn him. Are you with me? He didn't talk bad about him. He just began to start feeding him. 
and feed them. And the angel of the Lord fed him and fed him and he brought him. This was, this was true manna from heaven. It was manna that lasted him 40 days. And he probably wasn't coming out of the 40 day going, I can barely walk. Oh, I'm so hungry. I don't have nothing to eat. I've been fasting for 39 days. I don't know if I can make it out the door. No, he had supernatural ability. That was some supernatural food. He was like, okay, God says, I got something for you to do. Listen. I got something for you to do. And it's going to provide something from you. It's going to require something of you. But God says, I will give you what you need to supernaturally overcome it. To supernaturally do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. (laughs) Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, he's talking about me. He's, He's talking about you. I'm talking about you. The Spirit of God is speaking forth today. And he's saying there's something there that I want to give you, manna from heaven, because there's some things that you need to do, and you're going to need some supernatural strength. Go ahead. Then he came to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord and the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your pillars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king of e- over Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. God had something supernatural for him to do. 
And I began to read through this and I began to think about how God was providing, how he provided for Elijah. Not only did he provide for Elijah, he began to provide for the future generations. All right, let, let, me, let me take you there. Because he began to provide for the future generations because in verse 15, he said, the Lord said to him, return on your way in the wilderness of Damascus and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel, the king of Aram, to go and anoint him. He wasn't king yet. And he says, after you anoint Haziel or however you pronounce it, then I want you to anoint Jehu. If you guys know anything about Jehu, Jehu was there when Jezebel was thrown down and killed. Oh, come on. That, we're talking about in the future. And he says, I want you to anoint Haziel. I want you to anoint Jehu. And I want you to go. And I want you to anoint Elisha. I want you to let the generations know that I am providing for them in the generations. And he went and he anointed them. And he went and he anointed Jehu. And if you keep reading, you're going to find that Jezebel was running. And she was running because Jehu had grown up, had become king. And said, that girl is going down. I'm going to throw her down. And the according to the prophets, are going to eat her up. They're going to lick her blood. And Jehu was on a mission to take that girl out because he was anointed prior generation that God provided for Elijah. He provided for Elisha. He had provided for Jehu, and he'll provide for you. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. He'll provide for you in the midst of what was going on. He will provide for you. Jehu, the son, son of Nishma, and, and he shall anoint him king over Israel. He went and anointed him king. When they anointed them king, they didn't step into kingship right then. David was anointed king long before he became king. David was anointed king as a young man, 16, 17 years old, but yet he began to walk in his kingship after Saul was done. Come on. Same way with these other two kings. And I began to read that and I was like, he anointed Jehu. Jehu. Jehu, when he was king, he killed Jezebel. Who was after Elijah? God is my provider. Y'all connecting this? Jezebel was coming against Elijah. God said, Elijah says, you know, I don't even know if I can go on any longer. God, just take me. Take me out, Lord. I'm wondering when the, when the earthquake came and the winds began to come, if, if maybe Elijah was like, okay, take me, Lord, here I am. <laughs> you know, and he wasn't in that. He wasn't in that. He was like, oh, I must have missed that one. Maybe I need to be taken up in the tornado. Oh, missed that one. How about the hurricane? Oh, missed that one too. I thought the Lord was going to take me. I thought I was through. I was trying to get on out of here, but God had something for him to do. Amen. Ooh, this is good stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, he's preaching good. Are you with me? So then God, Jehovah Jireh, is, is Elijah's provider, and he goes in and anoints Jehu, and Jehu is going to take care of them that came against Elijah. 
You might have some people pursuing you. You might have a devil pursuing you. You might have demons after you. But I got news for you. God is anointing those that are going to come and they're going to slay that demon. That them things got to go. They can't stay. God is providing for you right here, right now, today. You know why? Because his name is Jehovah Jireh. (laughs) His name is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He is my provider. He is my provider. You know, God is my provider. God will provide for you. God will provide for you. Not only did God provide for Moses, not only did he provide for Abraham, not only did he provide for Isaac, not only did he provide for Jehu, not only did he provide for Elisha and Elijah, not only did he provide for the priests, not only did he provide for, for uh, Zacchaeus, no longer, not only did he did provide for those. Let's go to the New Testament. You want to? Because God continued to be the New Testament provider, didn't he? He continued to provide. Who did he provide for? He provided, he provided, first of all, he provided for John the Baptist. He provided for Joseph. He provided for Mary. Are you with me? He provided for Joseph. He provided for Mary. He made a way in the wilderness. He made a way when they had to go to Egypt. God provides because he's a provider. And we can begin to look at the New Testament and we can begin to see where God was a provider. He was a provider of those things. God is a provider. So God delivered David of his difficult time. He delivered Saul of his difficult time. God continued to provide. He provides for you. In the New Testament, he's provider. Say, God is my provider. He provided for James. He provided for Andrew. He provided for Philip. He provided for Peter. He provided for Thomas. He provided for Bartholomew. He he provided for Matthew. He provided for James, the son of Alphaeus. He provided for the Simon, the zealot. He provided for Judas, the son of, uh, of, uh, son of James and, and, and Matthias. You know, Matthias was the disciple that was put in after Judas had betrayed Jesus. Are you with me? He provided. Say, he's my provider. He provided for Mary. He provided for Martha. He provided for Eunice. He provided for Zacchaeus. He provided for Nicodemus. He provided for Cornelius. He provided for Paul. He provided for Luke. He provided for Stephen. He provided for Philip. He provided for John Mark. He provided for Barnabas. He provided for Priscilla, Aquila. He provided for Phoebe. He provided for Timothy. He provided for Titus. He provided for Jude. He provided for the woman at the well. He provided for the woman with the issue of blood. He provided for Jairus. He provided for the soldier, the, the centurion soldier. He provided for blind Bartimaeus. He provided for the man on the mat. He provided for the lepers. He provided for the widows. He provided for the orphans. He provided for the fatherless. And if he provided for them, he'll provide for you. If he'll provide for them, he'll provide for you. He was a Jehovah Jireh, my provider in the beginning. He's still Jehovah Jireh, my provider in the end and right now he's still the Jesus he's the Jesus coming forth on the earth today God wanting to provide for you no God providing for you I don't know about you but that makes me happy it makes me get excited that in the midst of what's taking place he provided for you well what about others he provided for them also his name is Jesus his name is Jesus His name is, his name is, 
we got separated from sin. We got separated from those things. I mean, sin separated us from God. We got separated from in the garden. We got separated from that authority. We got separated from that power. We got separated from God. But Jesus... Jesus came, shed his blood on Calvary, died on the cross, restored us, returned us, ushered in the kingdom of God. Somebody needs to shout Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Somebody ought not be ashamed to say Jesus. Jesus. You know, they, they aren't upset with Buddha. They aren't upset with Muhammad. You can stand in the public square and you can talk about Buddha, Muhammad, or Allah, but you mention the name of Jesus, everything's going to crawl out from under the rock and say, oh, I don't, I was offended. I'm offended that we can't talk about Jesus. I'm offended that we can't talk about our Lord and Savior. I'm offended that we can't bring him into the marketplace. I'm offended that we can't because Jesus is the provider that we need to have in the world today. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, there's a preacher again, just fired up. God is my provider. I don't look to my spouse. I don't look to my kids. I don't look to my government. Well, I don't look to the government, the democratic government. I look to the kingdom. God's government. God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things. The kingdom of God. God sent his only son. His only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God was providing for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God was providing for us a way to be able to reconcile ourselves back to him. Look, you couldn't do it without him. He's the foundation. Say foundation. Chief cornerstone, I think the Bible also calls it. Are you with me? That's Jesus. That's who it is. God provided us a way. We were lost in sin. We could not. We were separated from God. And God, because he was Jehovah Jireh, my provider, took his son. And went. Look at the parallel with Abraham and Isaac here, y'all. Look at it. He gave his son. Except for this time, Jesus went through with it. And he said, no, I don't want to do this. Just like Isaac said, Abraham, I don't want to do this. And God said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Not my will, but yours, God. I'll step into it. I'll do it. God, if this is what it'll be, reconcile us back to God so we can have life and have it more abundantly so we can operate in the kingdom of God so we can have joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Ghost so we can live a glorious and victorious life. God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, provided a way for me. He provided a way for you and his name is Jesus. Oh, I believe his name is. I believe his name is. I believe his name is. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.